This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Part one of Fuel Today, I'm going to ask a few questions. One, what fuels you? What do you draw from to keep you going? What's your why? That thing that says, I got to get up and I got to go. You know, this week, Jody and I sat down. We found some old uh, VHS tapes in our basement. How many know what VHS is? Yeah, VCRs and all of that, right? And uh, some of you are like, what's a VCR? You can Google it. You'll figure out what it is. Anyhow, we found our wedding video, and we haven't seen it in decades, and, uh, and, and, uh, and so Jody and I had this moment that we shared, and there was uh, uh, so many parts of the wedding videos we watched that were just unlocking memories, and, and uh, my grandfathers, both our, my grandfathers prayed over us at the wedding, and it, one of them prophesied, and uh, it was powerful, and we're watching, and we got tears running down our face, and we're remembering the moment. But I have to tell you, to get to that moment, there were some things that fueled me through difficult times. Because when Jody came into my world, and I realized that I wanted to marry her, the, the, the moment that I wanted to marry her to the actual wedding day, hey, there were a lot of obstacles. There were a lot of money was an obstacle. There was time was an obstacle. I was a full-time college student. My car was an obstacle because it didn't run. It was a 1980 Olds Omega. I mean, it was so old and so bad, I had thumbtacks holding the ceiling carpeting in because it was dropping down. I had to have a, a, a scraper on the inside of the windshield because the defrost didn't work. And sometimes I couldn't get it started, so I had a pencil I kept so I could put it in the carburetor to keep it open to start the car. That's, that was an obstacle. I lived downtown Minneapolis, and Jody lived up in, way up in the northern suburbs of Blaine. And uh, back then, it just seemed like forever away, and, and when it was January and, and freezing outside, and I've scraped the inside of the windshield, and, and uh, I got to get my car started, and then I got to hope it stays running, and then I'm driving out, and then I got to hope I had enough pennies in the bag. Literally, I had bags of pennies to pay for gas to get out there. I persevered through all of that because there was some fuel driving me, some vision driving me. Something was compelling me to move out there, to get there. It was worth the battle. It was worth it. So that vision fueled me. It it got me moving. You know, vision uh, can do that to a person. It can drive you. Later on in life, of course, we, Jody and I got married. Then we had a house, and we had to work on a house, and we had to finish the, the, the house. Uh, you know, we had to paint the cupboards and rip the carpet out and finish the floors. And the, the, the vision and the picture of what it could be is what drove us to keep moving. Then we had kids, and, 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 and one kid, then two kids, then three kids, then four kids, and it just kind of added up. And then they started to get into the sports, and I looked forward to the end of my work day when I could go to practice or see my kids on the field and and there were things compelling me to move forward. But what I'm describing to you right now is, is that the vision actually changes as you move along. 
It isn't it isn't what it was. Like, I don't get up in the morning right now worried about scraping the inside of my windshield because my car works, okay? So I have a different reality now. And I, I want you to know that today, no matter your age or your stage of life, that you can be fueled by something now that is compelling enough to cause you to wanna live at your fullest. That there are opportunities ahead of you that will allow you to say yes and no to some things. You know, vision is a compelling force to say no to some things. During the time that I was chasing Jody and wanted her to marry me, all my buddies wanted to hang out. They didn't want to work. They weren't at the same stage of life as me. And I just simply said, no, I'm not going to be with you because I want her more. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes when we're bored with life, bored with marriage, bored with Christianity, bored with whatever routine we've been going through, we lose our fuel that keeps us going. If you get the kind of fuel the Bible talks about, you're going to have the capacity to say no to some things that you should be saying no to. And yes, because you have the vision of what's ahead of you. Can I get an amen to that? So to sustain clarity and purpose in your life, you're going to have to address what is fueling your journey. What vision do you have that helps you stay true, to reach for excellence, to love others on the way? What keeps you going in your marriage? What fuels you in your job? And I'm not just talking about coffee, come on. Although coffee and the Holy Spirit is a powerful combination. But fuel is the motivation and energy needed to take action. It's that thing that will compel you to move forward. Many people are driven by other things. They're driven by hunger. Now, hunger can be a powerful thing. Families that immigrate to the United States from oppression outside in their nations, they're trying to escape a crisis and they're hungry. I know people in our church that work two and three and four jobs just to take care of their children, just to provide for them. You know, you can't pay your bills without getting up and going. It's like that old proverb that goes around, some have an image of a lion on it. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning a lion wakes up. It knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. It doesn't matter whether you are a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Some people are driven by that thing, that sense, I've got to have it or else I'm lost. My family's lost. I don't have anything. Some people are also driven by approval. They crave the approval of a parent, the approval, because they never got it when they were a kid. Professionals, CEOs, business owners who are still striving to get somebody's approval, and it's never enough. Chasing attention, anything that says, I matter. And our family of origin, our storyline plays into this sometimes. We're trying to chase it down from different places. People will crave physical attention. They'll crave uh, likes on social media. They want somebody to, 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 to tell them they're good enough. And then there are some of us that try to prove that we're good enough to someone who hurt us. We want them to know, you didn't stop me. 
There are others that have a need for accomplishment and that drives them. They want to create. They want to build. And as soon as they got something built, they're bored with it and they want to build another thing. I've got a board member that just adds businesses on and he's creative all the time just because he's like, I got to keep creating. I got to keep doing this. Comparison, though, in that world can be dangerous because we're always looking at other people for, for a sense of a measuring stick of whether or not we're good enough. And how many know there's always somebody doing something more than you, something better than you? And then fear can drive people because they don't want to be a failure or they're constantly worried about the future. When you lack the right fuel, your performance can suffer. You aren't who you could be. You're you without a Snickers bar. You can lack motivation for monotonous daily things. And some people, they get caught up chasing someone else's dream and they wonder why they're wiped out. Spiritually, church, listen to me, your love can grow lukewarm or cold like the church in Laodicea. Jesus said to that church in Revelation 3, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now that sounds really nasty, right? What is Jesus saying? He doesn't want us stuck in motivationless, fuelless living. He wants us to be fueled by a different source. And here's the good news that Jesus has for us as we begin this series. Jesus shows us the way to sustained fueling, to drive, to bringing purpose to your daily life. In John chapter 4, turn there with me. In John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking and there's this powerful little context of a story. Earlier on, Jesus was, was talking to the woman at the well, and while his disciples were out going to the grocery store to bring some food back. And they come up to him, and they have this conversation about natural food, and he's going to have a different conversation with them about something, about fuel that they didn't know anything about. John chapter 4, starting verse 31. You can also follow along on the Emmanuel MN app in our notes. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Turn to somebody next to you and say, eat something. <laughs> They're trying to tell the teacher to eat, right? How many know that's a good thing? When somebody tells me to eat, I'm like, thank you. Yes, I will. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone, the disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? Wow. Jesus begins to unlock how he was fueled to live his life. If you are a Christ follower, that means you're following Jesus. 
If you want to live the life that Jesus can give you, you got to do things the way Jesus did when he lived on the earth. How many know he's still alive? I'm not saying he's gone. We have to learn to unlock that. And for Jesus, what he's saying is, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. In other words, the conventional wisdom to have a good life, to have your best life now, all of the books and all of the Instagram things and all of the events you can take your family to and all the, the sports that you can sign your kids up for and all the, the cars and the, the trips you can go on and all the things that the world says, if you do these things, if you follow this nutrition plan, if you sign up for this club, if you do these activities, if you buy this marketing ploy, if you watch this movie, if you go to Target, they'll give you a discount or you go to Walmart, it's always a good price, or whatever they're trying to tell you, they're always trying to draw you into temporary fuel. And Jesus is saying, I have a different kind of thing for you that won't run out. His fuel comes from a different source. It says this in that text. It's from doing the will of God who sent me. In other words, Jesus was doing the will of God. He was following God. You see, God has a mission. He isn't just absent-minded. He's already created the world, and he's just going to sit around and twiddle his thumbs. No, Jesus was actually a part of God's mission as he was sent to earth because people were being brought down by sin. And sin was destroying humanity. And so Jesus came and the Father sent the Son into the world, died on a cross for us. That was a part of his mission to us. And the good news is, is that Jesus won the battle. He died, he conquered sin, hell, and death in the grave, and he came back victorious and he's alive today. Can I get an amen to that? But here's what I want you to catch. His mission isn't finished. So in other words, Jesus did his part in the mission, and he leaves us our part in the mission. And he does it the way Jesus did it, as he did it with his father. He did it with his father. It was together. And that's what I would call co-mission. Co-mission is doing the mission with God. In other words, I don't just do my thing, I do my thing with God. Or I do his thing with him. I follow him. I love how the message translation says it. He says, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. What is the fuel that's going to keep you going? Loving your wife. In every decade. Loving your husband when he loses his hair. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all the guys that have lost their hair are like, well, just because you have hair now, it's not fair. <laughs> Loving your husband when he gets a lot bigger than he was when you got married. Come on, somebody. What's going to keep you loving your kids when they're not easy to love in their teenagers? What's going to keep you on mission loving people 
the way you know you should? What's going to allow you to continue to be generous with your life when you have more? Because sometimes when you have more, the more keeps you from being who you should be. It's going to be the same type of food that Jesus talks about. The food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me and to finish the work he started. And I can confidently say to everyone under the sound of my voice today, it's not over. Your work is not finished. Your mission is not complete. If you're breathing, there's still a mission ahead of you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not over. Mm -hmm. It's not over being a mom, even though your kids are grown and you still pray for them. It's not over just because you've retired. There's still a mission ahead of you. And the fuel that you need at this stage of your life is going to come from your connection to whatever the Father wants you to do. What's going to keep you going? And it has to be to do the will of the Father. Jesus shows us that our fuel comes from the Father's mission. For Jesus, the bullseye is obedience to the Father. The bullseye, the target, The thing you're living for is to live for what do you want from me? This is something that was a part of Jesus' entire life. Remember when he was a little kid and mom and dad took him to Jerusalem and he got lost for a few days? And mom was freaking out. How many would have been that mom, right? Boy, what are you doing, you know? And he simply just paused and says, but why did you need to search, he asked in Luke 2.49. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Some very early age, Jesus was really locked into being connected to the father. This was something so huge as a part of his life that when he was with crowds, he had to withdraw and pull away so he could talk to his father. Sometimes when you expend a lot of your energy, you, you have a natural withdrawal of energy and you kind of feel wiped out. It's what I feel at about three o'clock every Sunday afternoon. I'm ready for a nap. The adrenaline drops, it's natural, right? When you come home from work or you've come home from doing whatever it is you're doing, you can be exhausted. But look at what Jesus did. Jesus withdrew from the crowd and he went back to the place that he got his fuel in the first place. So that he could go back out and take action and do what God was calling him to do. Your purpose is connected to the Father. God the Father is the creator of all humanity, and he knows you best. And the closer that you are to the Father, the more secure you become, because the heart of the Father becomes your heart. Looking at his kids, God looks at you, and he goes, she's got my eyes, he's got my nose. We are his kids. This is why. The enemy has worked so hard to remove physical 
earthly fathers from the relationship with their children. The most demonic thing in the whole world is to watch a child who is going through the ramifications of a father that has abandoned them. Because then that child thinks throughout their life, I'm unwanted. I don't know if, if anybody would choose me. I don't know if anybody will protect me. I don't know nobody's there. And listen, I'm not doing this to shame anybody right now. I'm simply saying the enemy's efforts are to destroy a relationship between a child and their father. This is why when Jesus stepped into the world, he spoke out of the voice of the Father, the authority of the Father, because he was speaking to a fatherless generation. He was speaking to generations of people that did not reflect the heavenly Father. Even if they had an earthly father, that earthly father was imperfect and did not reflect the heartbeat of the heavenly Father. He's a good, good Father. He is one that loves his children so much that he gave one and only son for you. Listen, you have good news right now. If you're in a place where you did not have an earthly father, you are not abandoned. God the Father sees you. He knows you. He's with you. And he smiles on you. You're not in second place when it comes to running to the Father. Just because somebody next to you had the perfect family or somebody around you had the perfect experience. You're not in second place behind them when it comes to coming to God the Father. He has room for all of his kids. So hear me today. If you're going to have fuel for your journey, it's not going to come from pleasing somebody else. It's not going to come from being good enough or accomplishing enough or earning enough. It's not going to come from being perfect. It's going to come from your personal relationship to God the Father and trusting his leadership in your life. So let me give you how to receive the fuel that will keep you going. This is just the first message, remember. The first Number one, see and surrender all to the Father. See and surrender all to the Father. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus shows us that we need to consider everything linked to our relationship to the Father. The son can do nothing by himself. Jesus in his days, his titles and his roles, his friendships, his moments weren't off limits to the father. If you want fuel from the father by the spirit in your life, then you must yield access to God in every area of your life. Your job, your friendships, your family, your free time, your finances, this is why the great missional statement of the Old Testament was to worship the, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen, if you're going to receive and, and have his impact on your life, you have to see the rest of your life as connected to God the Father. I'm saying this today because I just realized that we naturally separate our days so when we're in church on Sunday, it's really easy to think about God 
because I'm yelling at you about God. We're singing about God. We're talking about God. So yes, your mind and your will and your emotions and your spirit, just like this last series we just came out of, are going to follow him. But on Monday, and you wake up, and you got that hair explosion in the mirror, and you don't feel so good, and now you got to go to a place you don't know if you like, and you got to fight traffic with people that are definitely not acting like Jesus on the road. And you go through a day, and you work with people that, whoever they are and whatever they're walking through, they irritate you. And then you get your paycheck at the end of the week, and you're like, what am I going to do with my money? Or you sit down and decide what you're going to do with your calendar for your vacation. Or you think about your relationship with other people, your friendships that you have. It's awful easy to separate all of the rest of your life from Sunday. But if you're going to have fuel that keeps you going, you need to learn to connect all those other parts back to the Father. Jesus said, I do nothing apart from the Father. I can't even do it. And learning to bring it up underneath and to see those parts of your life. And by the way, God is not up there with some kind of baseball bat going, if she does the wrong thing, so help me, I'm going to wipe her out. No, he's a loving God who cares about his kids and he wants us to develop and grow. Obedience flows from surrender. You can't be obedient if you're not surrendered. God knows what's best for me. Say that with me. God knows what's best for me. Tell the person next to you, say, God knows what's best for you. <laughs> he does. And learning to connect the dots and bringing it up underneath, yielding your rights, what you want to the Father and what he wants, enables you to live out in obedience. And then even your mistakes become fuel when placed in the Father's hands. How many of you have made a mistake recently? Did you know if you even take your sins, your mistakes, your failures to the Father, he can turn your weaknesses into strengths? Why are we hiding it from him? Number two, bring the builder into your construction process. As you are building your life, your marriage, your family, your business, your time, no matter what your age is, your future, bring the builder. The superintendent of a construction project has blueprints of the whole project. God has the blueprint for your project. Bring him in. I love what Psalm 127 says. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Some of us are working too hard. 
because we're doing it alone. But if you bring God in to every part, it's amazing how he builds the house and he gives you rest. Uh, I think that means that surrendering takes a little bit of time. For me, uh, I'm learning that as I grow older. But I, I can recall a time in my first five years of marriage, um, I had a plan. And when Jody and I first got married, I said, we, we want to have kids. And I said, well, let's wait five years. Because I, I was a wise person. Because I knew... I was broke, <laughs> and there was no way we could take care of a kid. And by the way, I should, I should build our relationship, and we should be closer, and we should be loving, and, and all of that, so that when a kid came, we were, we were stable. So I had my own blueprint for how to build a family. And I was convinced that God would agree with me if I talked to him about it. But I figured, nah, that's my territory. And I remember Jody and I went out to Michigan to my home church for a Sunday service in that first year. And I was up at the altar and I was praying and I was thanking God. It was kind of like my Bethel. And I was just praying. I was like, Lord, thank you. You gave me a wife and I'm a youth pastor now and things are going so good. And here I am back home. You're so good, Lord. And I was telling God, thank you. And that, how many know that's a good thing to do? Thank you for what he's done. But then God was like, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm, I don't have very many times in my life that I felt very strongly that God asked me a question, but he did. He said, have you consulted me on your decision? I'm like, what are you talking about, Lord? Well, have, you, have you asked me what I want? I'm like, what do you mean, Lord? Well, you, if you ask me about kids, when I want you to have kids, I'm like, Lord, you know what, I, you've held me responsible to take care of my family, so I'm doing my best for you. Like internally, I'm having this kind of dialogue up at the altar with God. You know, I'm doing my best. I was trying to convince myself that I was a good steward and I was doing the right thing and I was telling him all of that. He said, if you even consulted me on that, and the truth was I had not asked what he wanted. And then I was crying, because I said, I'm sorry, God. What, what do you want? When do you want? What, however, I'm sorry, I was trying to build my own life. So on the way home from Michigan, Jody said, so what was God talking about? You were like up at the altar for like an hour. Everybody in the church had left. I was still up front. And I just said, well, God was talking to me. And I think we need to leave when we have kids in his hands. And you know, three months later, she was pregnant. <laughs> and then we had one kid, then we had two, then we had three, and we had four. God knows when he wants to do something. My job is to partner with what he wants. And I need to learn to let the builder with the blueprint determine the how and the when. Sometimes when we take his job and do it for him it doesn't work out so well 
and then we want him to help us out. There are two rails of consistent fuel that we need to remember, like the railroad tracks, if you think of the two rails of a railroad track. The first one is obedience to God's word. We need to keep doing the right things and be obedient and do the right things to follow through on what God is saying. But the second one is just as important, and that is we need to have an openness to God's new assignment every day to be ready to, to say yes when he speaks because he wants to take us where he wants to go at the time he wants us to go there. And we have to learn to follow them. Jesus prayed and then went about his days looking for the work that the Father wanted him to finish and the power of the Spirit to help him do it. I want you to pause right now and ask God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? And ask that question every day. If you don't hear anything, you don't know what's going to happen, that's fine. But you're open to whatever he wants to do, even if it's a detour from what you wanted to do. Can I get an amen to that? Number three, and I'm done. Pursue the heart of God the Father. Pursue God's heart. You may not understand his actions or why he allows certain things. But if you pursue the heart of God the Father, you'll get his heart. And your actions will flow from the heart of God. You may need to get rid of idols. What's an idol? Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. Jesus talks about the end times in Matthew chapter 24. How many think it might be the end times? that we're in. And he says in verse 12 that the sin sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. There is a responsibility that we have to not allow our hearts to grow cold or lukewarm, but to continue to pursue the Father. Say, what do you want from me? This week, I went to the Minnesota Youth Convention with our youth ministry. It was awesome. Our, our worship team, Emmanuel Live was leading worship. There's 3,600 kids in the stadium, all going after God. And I'm in the back. We've got our current staff under Pastor Phil, who's an amazing youth pastor and leader over each of our locations. But each, and they're all there. The leaders are there and the students are crying out to God. And I'm standing in the back and you gotta understand, now I'm 50, none of your business years old, okay? And I was the kid that wanted to lift my hands when I was in seventh grade and nobody else in the youth group would do it. I can remember the time when God got a hold of me on, a, on an amusement trip, part, uh, trip where the bus broke down and Cedar Point trip and God got a hold of me. And I can remember the years that, that I would just call out to God and it was just me and him. And then I was the youth pastor and I was leading kids and I was preaching. And, and I didn't go halfway. I still don't go halfway. I'm not interested in just being a nice talker. I want everything that God's word has for us. 
And I remember calling the youth group to it. Let's worship God with everything we've got. Let's follow him. Let's do our best. When we sin, let's repent. When we worship, let's lift our hearts and our hands. Let's get everything we can from God. And I remember I was leading our youth group would grow and God was moving and I saw leaders do things and I, I, I saw the students raise up and many of them are now in their 40s. They've got kids of their own that are now in the youth group. And then I, I, I've led worship at youth convention and I've preached at that youth convention. Here I've done every role in the whole place and I'm standing in the back and I'm like, I have a choice. Am I going to observe what God is doing now with this generation or am I gonna join what God is doing now in this generation? And I'm telling you, that's when I just started going, Lord, I'm going after you. I might look really old and really weird to a bunch of the kids in the room, but I don't care. I'm going after the Father's heart at this stage of my life. I don't want to grow cold. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to love people. I want to be available at every moment of my story to, to touch people, to listen to the ones that are hurting. I want to be used of God in this decade of my life. My story is not over. Like Jesus said, his, his goal, his fuel, his food was to do the will of the Father until it was finished and it's not done. Come on, somebody. This church was not raised up to be a nice church that sat around and listened to good messages, put our time in on Sunday morning. This church was raised to be a Pentecostal, filled with the Spirit, loving Jesus, focused church that takes care of the needs of the city, that takes care of the needs of the world around us. That's why God raised us up. It's time for us to run after the Father. Can I get an amen to that? Church, would you stand in each of our locations? Hallelujah. We're going to sing here in a moment, and the location pastors, each of them will come up in a few moments. But I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to just lift them up to heaven. Not for me, not for anybody around you, but I want you to just say, God, here I am. Lord, see into me. You know what's best for me. You know what's best for my family. You know what's best for our story. You know where I'm at. If you're away from God, listen, you drop your God and say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry I'm lukewarm. I'm sorry I'm cold. I'm sorry I don't want to be that way anymore. You drop your God before your Father, and He will fuel your story today. He will come in and rejuvenate you, remind you of who you are. You are still a child of God. You are still have a mission. God still has plans for your life. Hallelujah. We come before you right now, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're not done. That there's still a story to be written. There's still lives to be changed. Lord, you've called us to be salt and light in this generation. And we choose to be salty. We choose to be full of light. We choose to, to chase you for all that you have. We come after you, God. We're running. We're running after you. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.